You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to join us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful from our ancestral lines out of the past, out of those who have learned from their mistakes and had great innovations and great sorrows and yet recovered. I call out to all of these energies in our ancestral lines to be with us here today to support us, the living, in doing what we are called here to do. So I ask these ancestors to be with us together gather round and to help us to take the riches of their life in a way that allows us to go forward, to have the courage to do things differently, to have the wisdom to know what needs to remain the same, and also to know from them the very simple message that life is always short and to find a way to be joyful in all that it is that we do with our life. And so I ask these ancestors to gather around with us and help us to remember those things which are our rich and profound inheritance. So with the ancestors gathering around us here today, let's take uh, our awareness internally and draw our energy from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts to our bellies and from our bellies down into the earth and let our energy reach all the way down through all the layers of the earth to the very center of the earth to extend our choice to be grounded and also to make a connection to the earth. And we let a pulse of our own gratitude from our heart pulse down that grounding cord and send the intention that it radiate out to all layers of the earth. So the entire earth feels our gratitude for the blessing of life, for this gift that we each share and for the miracle and the mystery that is at the heart of each of our lives. So we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that has brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet with its great diversity and great beauty and the great deep, deep lessons that are here for us to learn. So we give great, great thanks to the earth as we reach down to the very center of the earth and invite the energy of the earth up. Draw the energy of the earth up into our bodies, into our day, and into these proceedings. In this way, we call on the energy of the earth to help us in our efforts to experience groundedness, place, belonging, and home. No matter what the circumstances of our life may be, may we know that there is a hearth, a place to return to, a place to allow our intimacy to flourish, a place to call home. Humbly, even if that place is simply an energy within ourselves, we ask the earth to help us with this. And in this way, we ask the earth to bring the wisdom of manifestation that we may come to understand the great connection within ourself, with others, with the environment, with those non-human beings all around us and with the spirit world. 
And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to reach from that logic of connection out into the spiritual understanding or the energetic understanding of the interconnection of things and the great web of life and to know ourself as part of that great web, to find our place and to allow our place within all things to bring us into right relationship with ourself and others. The earth gives us so very much and at this time in the northern hemisphere of harvest, we give thanks And we draw that energy of manifestation into our lives that we may be wise in what we are here to do. So with the energy of the earth rising up into our body, from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our head, let's send our energy up through all the layers of the sky. Reaching up all the way through the sky, through the atmosphere, through the cosmos, all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, Connect with that power and call it down, drawing that energy, the energy of blessing, the energy of protection, the energy of generosity and devotion and benevolence. We call these energies in with all the wisdom of the cosmos, calling in this energy from the ancestors of the sky realm, calling them all in, into ourself, into these proceedings, into this day, to bring to us the wisdom from above that we may know the inspiration of why we are here. Why at this time have we come to this place, in this body? What is it that we have come here to do? And we call these energies in to help us to be devoted to that path, to feel the passions, but to bring clarity and to come through each day to know ever more clearly why we are here. So we call these energies in, into our head, into our heart, into our belly, And we invite the energies of earth and sky to dance within us in the great dance of the big love, the big Tao, the energy from which all things in form are born. And with that energy dancing within us, let us open our hearts and call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today that we might listen in a way that fills our heart with the passions of our belly and draws down the clarity of our mind and that they dance and merge and mingle in our hearts in that unique way that gives birth to that third energy, that energy of the knowing of our soul's purpose. And may you find in your heart the courage, the breath, the need to express that purpose in the world and to bring your gifts in some way, large or small, into manifestation in this day. So with the spirit of the heart with us, the earth below, the sky above, and the ancestors gathered round, we give thanks to that support. I ask that all that needs to be said is said here today, and that which needs to be heard can be heard, and that everything proceeds in a way that is good for all living things. And I'd like to give profound thanks to those of you that are helping me to keep the show alive and interesting and on the air that there are um, many, many technical things that need to happen for that to be a reality for people all over the world to access these shows live or archived for free. And I thank those of you who have the ability to um, donate to the show. For those of you that don't know yet, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and you can hit the support the show button and donate any amount of money, large or small. All of it goes directly 
to keeping the show on the air, to paying the bills that allow us to keep the show on the air. And I am deeply grateful for your support in doing that. Um, it's important to understand the energetic exchange in our lives and that money is part of that. Many, many things. All of our resources are part of that. And money should not be considered different from all of the resources in our lives. And in my community, we, we are uh, manifesting together a resource-rich environment. And part uh, uh, at the heart of this idea of a resource-rich environment is understanding that the only way that that can happen is if we allow ourselves to be motivated by our hearts. And that doesn't mean we're always doing nice things for each other. It means, particularly right now in my community, one of the things it means is that we call each other's denial. We call each other on our refusal to live up to the standards in the community. And that fierce love, that challenging love, that ability to step out of our comfort zone and say, I love you, but you are not showing up. What do you need to be able to show up? Can I bring that to you or how do we make that happen? That's love too. It's a powerful kind of love. There are many, many, many kinds of love, but what we're reaching for is that love that is not personal and selfish, but is the love that is actually the energy that is moving through the real energies that's keeping life happening. And so this is what I'm asking when I ask you to notice whether the shows move you in the heart in any way and to allow yourself to be motivated by that movement in the heart into action in some way to support the show is that this is what is at the heart of a resource-rich environment. It is what is at the heart of us being able to live differently in the world. And anyone who's bothering to listen to the show already knows we need to live differently in the world. I don't have to sell you on that one. So thank you all for all of the many ways that you're helping the show to grow and to remain vital and financially and otherwise. Um, I give thanks to all of you. So I give thanks to Linda and Kai, Sarah, Caridwin and Astrin. So new, listeners new and old, thank you all for helping. So we are live this week and you are invited to call in if you have a question about the show topic. Uh, the number is 512-772-1938. Um, or you can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site or just email me directly at Christina at lastmasscenter.org and I will be happy to read your question on the air. Um, so with that said, today's show, after a couple of lovely interview shows um, with uh, Hillary Webb and Oscar Miro Casado, just two exquisite human beings, um, we're coming back to a show I didn't really finish three weeks ago about crafting questions for journeys. And I know some of you have emailed me about the next step, which is interpreting your symbolic language. And we'll get there. Patience is a virtue. Um, but today, I want to just finish the thoughts about crafting questions. Um, so there are actually a number of shows that address crafting questions in the archives. Um, and uh, hopefully this winter I'll be able to organize the archives um, or an index of the archives so it's easier for you to find these shows. Um, nonetheless, they're not that hard to find. Um, and so what we're doing now is continuing in this, this conversation about how to effectively work with your helping spirits, particularly through the practice of journeying. Now, with that said, please keep in mind, your helping spirits will meet you anywhere anytime. 
They will meet you wretched, waking with a hangover in some strained person's bed after falling off the wagon for the 156th time. Your helping spirits will meet you right there. They will meet you in the middle of a big presentation in a room full of people stroking your ego while they have an affair with your wife. They'll meet you there too. Wretched or grandiose, uh, confused, clear, any, any place that you can possibly get to, your helping spirits can meet you there. And they will again and again wherever you are. So they will communicate with you in a way that you can understand no matter where you are in your own awareness in life. And if you are willing to work with them, um, they are right there willing to work with you. And the more you come to understand about how to work with them, the more fully they can work with you. But my point is they are there for you no matter what. And I wouldn't want anyone to be listening to this show today and imagine, oh, my God, if I can't do all of those things, I can't journey. Because it's not true. Anybody at any time can decide – well, anybody at any time can actually connect with their helping spirits with or without journeying. But if you want to actually have a better understanding of that communication or guidance to move deeper into the comfort they can offer or to feel a sense of your own power through that relationship, you might need to learn some skills. And that's what I mean by being willing to engage with them more fully. They will engage more fully with you. But my point, as I said, is that I wouldn't want anyone to be scared away from simply beginning. Just just do it. Just begin. Just leap in with both feet. So these shows are really designed, I mean literally responding to the questions of people that actually already journey. They've already brought journeying into their skill set. Um, for some people regularly, for some more randomly, but nonetheless – they're, they're already in journeying and in some ways have fully manifest the power of the basics of journeying, right? And so these shows are really for, for those people in a sense, not necessarily for the beginning journeyer. So these shows are a response to questions from those listeners that have been journeying for a while and they sense that there's more there just beyond their reach, Or these are the people who need more but can't quite sort out how to get it. Um, So again, don't be shy about learning to journey. Just go for it. Learn the discipline and allow your helping spirits to assist you in your life. And as you get to that place where you start to get a little bit frustrated, you can't quite get to what you really want, then these shows become meaningful. Um, Before then, they shouldn't frighten you away, though. They're not necessary to be able to actually have um, meaningful, helpful, totally valid journeys right out of the gates. So one of the things we talked about last week that I'm I'm not really sure I expressed very well is simply one of the most important understandings in crafting the right question. Now, remember, the right question, it's not right in terms of good or bad. It's not morally right. It's not, that's not my point in using the word right. The right question is the question that gets you an effective answer. So it gets you an answer that directly addresses the problem that you're journeying about in the first place. Okay, that's, a right, that's what I mean by a right question. So one of the most important things in crafting the right question is that the question itself rings true with your truth cord. 
so the question in and of itself has this deeper sentient energy. It almost has a life of its own. And when you finally state it, you know, even in your mind, it, 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 it's like it's a living thing suddenly. It sort of snaps together and, and vibrates with its own life force. So we talked about this in part one, so I'm not going to go too deeply into it. I'm just bringing it up again because it's critically important, not only in crafting the right question, but again in interpreting your journey correctly, in um, making choices within your journey, and ultimately in putting the answers into action in your life, all of the parts of the art of mastering journey come back to, does it ring true with your truth cord? Um, How does it feel? That there's no intellectual way to become a better journeyer. It's not an intellectual process. And people um, often confuse intelligence you know, having a good, sharp mind with being able to work um, through a questioning process. I mean, you, you need to have essentially a mind that understands the logic of questions and the relationship between problems and answers and questions and how do you get there. But beyond that, what you need, you really need for all of this is a truth cord and the ability or the willingness to check in and to sense what something feels like. And for those of you that think I'm just being a girl and I'm just being a contemporary New Age shaman, you are wrong. I am a girl, but I'm not a contemporary New Age shaman. My belief in in the need for the emotional dynamic in journey and the felt sense in Germany, not necessarily the emotions, but the feeling of hot, cold, icky, exciting, those feelings, that felt sense – comes from working with indigenous shamans, most of them male. So this isn't a girl thing. That they know, they know, quote unquote, know something because of how it feels in their body as they're knowing it. So their body, the truth cord in their body is the indicator, basically. So, um, okay, so truth cord, Right. So the right question then feels right. So the question for you then going forward and wanting to master the art of journeying is what happens if you do not have a truth cord? Okay, so what happens if you do not have a truth cord is you're forced to approach the whole project intellectually and you will fail. Uh, Sorry, but you will. Because the energies that allow us to go deeper into our journeys and really master this art are not accessible to us purely mental pathways. I got no problem with mental pathways. This isn't like a, um, you know, dumping on the mind once again. It's just that the energies that, that the shamanic journeying process is really running on, if you want to get deeper into it, can't be accessed in that mental approach. They can only be accessed if you approach from the heart. So if you can't approach from the heart, you're screwed. I can't say that strongly enough. So what do you do? So the thing about a truth cord is it is part, it it is both a natural part of the energy body. However, it's a part of the energy body that needs to be cultivated through your actions and your choices or conversely can be um, diminished through your actions and your choices. So if you were taught as a child based on the situation of your childhood, to um, dismiss 
your own intuitive sense of right and wrong, your own intuitive sense of the truth, if people all, if you said things and people said, oh, no, that's not what's going on, then you learn to distrust your truth cord or you potentially learn to distrust your truth cord. And so as you continue to either distrust your truth cord or simply not listen, it grows to be a weaker and weaker voice within you. And so the cultivation of the truth cord is the conscious act, not only of visualizing it so that the energy follows the form of your energy, follows the thought, right? But it's also about the practice, the way of thinking, the way of acting, the way of moving in the world that is listening to what the truth cord has to say. I've said this a million times, I'm sure by now on this show, one way or another, Voices that don't get listened to stop talking. And so one of the reasons many of you don't know the voice of your truth cord is because you stopped listening to it years ago, so it stopped bothering to talk to you. And so the cultivation of the truth cord is not just the energetic practice of visualizing it and tuning it and sensing it, but it's about using it throughout the day. And so in that sense, it is made manifest through the practice and then made strong or cultivated through the use. And I I don't know, from my perspective, I don't know how anybody could actually get through the day without a truth cord these days. Because if you don't have the cultivation of your own truth cord, you don't know what's true for you internally or externally. And so you have to rely on outside sources for validation and acknowledgement and confirmation. And that is a dubious prospect at best. And so the truth cord is, is really critical for an adult life, for a mature adult life. And as parents, one of your primary responsibilities with your children is to teach them to trust their truth cord. And that is not convenient. My mom will tell you it is not convenient to cultivate a child's trust in their own truth cord because it means they often don't want to do what you want to do because it isn't true for them. And sometimes they have to anyway. But the point is acknowledging what is true for them and then letting them know they still have to get in the car anyway. So, but my point is your truth cord is essential for so many things in life that relate to spiritual maturity. It's also essential for journeying. Because when you journey, you are moving in your energy body, in an energy world, and there is no way to know what is up or down or right or wrong without the resonance of your own truth cord. And this is critically important for journeying. So for those of you who really want to master the art of shamanic journeying, not only is there the cultivation of the truth cord, but there's also the need to begin... um, to recognize that even though in the beginning your helping spirits were happy to come to you no matter how silly your beliefs were about how the world really works, over time your depth of mastery and journeying is going to rely on your ability to dump your beliefs that are in error. Your sort of family of origin, crazy cobbled together beliefs about how the world works that you got from a bunch of humans and begin to accept Um, a system of beliefs that is based on universal truths, that is based on the truth that is moving things underneath what is apparent on the surface of things. And, And again, like I said, your helping spirits will meet you wherever you are. And if you never want to go past your belief system, 
then they'll still meet you there. But if you want to master journeying and really deepen the answers your helping spirits can give you, they are all outside of our little human belief system. Because everything that is real uh, largely exists outside of our little human belief systems. And so the other thing I talked about in part one was working with your helping spirits to come to understand the, the deeper spiritual truths and how to bring them into your life as your belief system. One of the, um, okay, the deeper spiritual truths and how to bring them into your life as your belief system. Okay, that's point whatever point we're on in this show. In the reality of doing that, we all find that we carry beliefs that conflict with these deeper spiritual truths. For example, that everything is connected. That um, everything is love. There's a whole lot of things that happen in life that don't feel loving. It's very hard to believe that, frankly. But everything is sacred. That there is a gift in everything. All of these universal truths can be very challenging. And most of us carry Uh, beliefs inside of ourselves that contradict. So here is a real dividing line then in contemporary American shamanism. I can't speak for shamanism anywhere else, but here in America, there is a dividing line. There is the shamanism that is practiced that stays comfortably in your old belief system. And then there's the shamanism that is practiced to help you to delete your old belief system and begin to accept this, this belief system based on these greater universal truths that our helping spirits are showing us through all of the journeying and the ritual and the ceremony and all the work we're doing with them. That they are constantly, constantly trying to show us the limitations in our very perception of the world based on our little crazy human belief system. And the, the problem with changing to a more enlightened belief system or more accurate belief system, one that represents or reflects the real energies here, is that our old one conflicts with the new one. The oldest belief system always wins. So no matter how much affirmations, how many workshops you go to, how many journeys you take to believe these new ideas, if you do not also learn how to delete the old belief systems, then it isn't going to change. And that's really this sort of big dividing line that's happening in shamanism in America is those who, who know how to and are able to help you do that deep work. And those that will simply help you to have a ooh, so very powerful, interesting workshop, yet without ever really challenging the beliefs that you hold. And they're both called shamanism. So it's really up to you to trust your truth cord and to sense what is really bringing you into these deeper truths in life? And so if you really want to learn how to journey, and this show is about people who really want to learn how to journey, then you want to begin to move in your journeys and in life from principles like the idea that everything is connected and everything moves through relationships, that everything is sacred. And I actually talked about this in the last show, so I won't go further into it. But it's just understanding things like you are most powerful in your ability to get out of your own way. So if you want to make the most effect on a situation in your life, the first thing you need to focus on is how do you get out of your own way? Because that is where you are 100% powerful in every moment, is to get out of your own way. 
is to transform yourself. That is your most powerful act. Any other act beyond that diminishes in power because you're not the only thing involved. Not because you're not still powerful, but because you're not the only player in the game. So, and many principles like this that help you then understand how to craft the question because it changes how you perceive the problem in the first place and what your possibilities are for how to change a situation or to change a dynamic. Um, one of the, the great cultural addictions right now is blame. Blaming other people, blaming other things, blaming events, blaming the fact that you're distracted, blaming the church, blaming, 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 and not accepting this deeper universal truth that I am creating my world. No one, nothing, there isn't anything else to blame. That doesn't mean I'm in control of everything, for goodness sakes. I'm not. But I am choosing everything. And that's the place from which you want to ask your questions. And that's the place from which you want to view the problems in the first place. To, to, to understand these deeper spiritual principles as truth and begin to live from them, clear the things that contradict them, changes the way you craft your questions. Because it changes the way you see the world. And it changes the way you see possibilities. It's very, very important. So the next idea been a little bit reviewing, frankly, from the last class, but I didn't think I talked about those very well last time, so I revisited. So moving on. The thing about crafting questions is a lot of people just simply want to ask, what should I do? In other words, they want to treat the spirit world as mom and dad. What should I do? Right? I'm rebelling against my mom and dad, but I want you to be my mom and dad now and tell me what to do. And they're not going to tell you what to do. Because it's your responsibility to to decide what to do. And so if you don't know what to do, I mean, Lord knows I've been there many times. If you don't know what to do, the problem is you don't have all the information. Or you have misinformation. Or you are valuing the information you have inappropriately. Now, that's one thing people really overlook a lot. Is that you are valuing, the relative value of the pieces of information is inappropriately balanced or inappropriate ratios. And then, of course, the other famous one, which I've talked about every time I talk about journeying, is that you are making assumptions that are not correct. And you don't even know you're doing it. So, the thing about journeying is to recognize in your questions, you are seeking the information you do not yet have. You are seeking a deeper truth. You are looking for the source of what is going on or the true nature of what is going on. For example, journeying about fear doesn't usually work very well for very long, for very many sequence of questions. Because fear, okay, fear other than the legitimate, oh my God, I'm about to be hit by a car fear, which is a fear that's happening in the moment and I don't have time to journey about it. So that fear doesn't count, right? Because it's real, it's survival-based, and it's, it's happening in the moment. Okay, the other fears are the fears that I'm talking about, the ones that we ruminate on, the ones that have held us back for decades, the ones that go on and on and on. Those fears, they're illusions. Every single last one of them is an illusion. So there's a point at which your helping spirits are going to get bored with you continuing to journey about your fears as if they are a valid thing. 
They are a real thing. If you're feeling it, it's real. But it's not valid. It's an illusion. It's not, it's not, it's not something of substance. Now, your helping spirits will go gangbusters doing happy somersaults in a Snoopy dance, right? Yoo-hoo! If you simply set the fear aside and ask questions that explore the true nature of the fear, maybe the true source of the fear, something like that. So you, you stop asking about the fear, which in, in and of itself is an illusion. Okay, so that goes back to the point I was making before. A spiritual principle is that fear is an illusion. So why would I journey about an illusion in and of itself? Instead, I want to find out why am I casting this illusion? Where is this coming from? What is the true nature of it? Or how does it serve me? What am I doing? How does it serve me to bring this fear up again and again and again? How is it helping me? It's helping me avoid something, right? And so that's what I mean about this whole idea of exploring the information you do not yet have. Because once we have most of the information, the way is apparent. And that is another spiritual principle. When you have the information, the way is apparent. And so the choices you need to make are apparent. You may not like them. But you, can, you get what they are. You can feel what they are. You can see what they are, however you experience things. And so one of the most juicy uses of journeying is to explore the rest of the information. I mean, hell, you could even journey and say, so what's the rest of the information I need to make a good decision here? It's kind of a big question. You may have to break that down once you get that answer. But it's a great question. And it, and it helps your helping spirits realize you understand the real principle here, which is that you need to um, seek the deeper energies in the situation. So true nature, true source, these are all, all of these things are ways of framing a question that can be helpful and help you to get deeper in and get out of the what should I do question. Okay, so... I might have already said this. I've said this on a different show. I'm not sure I said it in part one of this show. If, if, in those rare moments in life, you really are choosing between option A and option B. It really is just a choice and there's no other way to look at it. That happens, right? You still can't journey and say, what should I do? So what you want to do is think about, in all of my choices in life, another spiritual principle, in all my choices in life, Some doors will be opened by the choice and some doors will be closed. There is no choice that opens everything and closes nothing, except perhaps death, but we're not there yet. So so it's always going to be opening and closing things. So if I have option A, what I want a journey to ask is, you know, what... You know, what will I learn from option A? What doors open to me by doing option A? Um, Something about... What happens if I do option A? What, what do I lose? So what do I gain if I do option A? What do I lose if I do option A? What doors open if I do option A? What doors close if I do option A? Sometimes I've asked about um, what will I be learning if I do option A? What will I be learning if I don't do option A? Because the, the thing is, they're all good. 
the question is, what do you want to be learning? And so then I ask the same thing about option B. And then I look at all four questions, for all four answers. And then I can see what option is really interesting to me. So, for example, at a big juncture in my life, I was in one of these situations. And so I did that journey set. And what I saw in the option I was actually leaning toward is that I would be learning um, a lesson in life that I had felt I had just learned in what I just completed. And I didn't really want to learn it again. I felt like I'd learned it, but I was leaning towards that because it felt comfortable and familiar in a sense because I was just coming out of that lesson. And that I was leaning away from option B because it was completely new. It was a completely new adventure, a completely new life lesson. Now, obviously, I chose option B once I saw that. But even in my sort of intuitive leanings, I was kind of leaning the wrong way. I was leaning back into what I'd just done. And, And so there are times when you, when you really do have a couple options and you really do want to ask, what should I do? You just need, again, to gather more information and then you can make the right choice for, your, for yourself, what is right for you. So another spiritual principle that is unfolding through your life and through your journeying is that whatever issue is going on, It is your soul wanting to unfold through that experience or through that awareness. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter what the challenge is. It doesn't matter what the issue is. There is nothing going on in your life that has to do with anything other than your soul expressing itself through this lifetime, in this body, doing to the best of its ability whatever it came here to do. And so there isn't anything that's not doing that. So often people will ask a question like essentially, you know, which of these is my soul's path? And helping spirits look back like, what are you talking about? They're all your soul's path. So that's what I mean by not really, if we don't really understand the spiritual principles, then we ask questions that frankly confuse your helping spirits. Because they're based on this limited human belief that really doesn't make any sense to them. Everything is an expression of your soul. Some are more magnificent than others. But everything, every challenge, every heartache, every magnificent expression, even the you know, conscious or unconscious, is an expression of your soul. Every path is an expression of your soul. So... The way you want to craft your question then would be based on the assumption, any choice I make is the unfolding of my soul. So what I really want to, so what do you really want then? What quality are you really looking for? What focus are you looking for? What do you want? And this takes me to another challenge I think is people are afraid to want what they want. And to learn from that. And people are waiting to get it right. And in waiting to get it right and being afraid to acknowledge that you want what you want, your whole life ends up being held hostage. And it's important to feel that you want what you want. I mean, sometimes in feeling what I want, 
I realize, wow, that is really, really immature wanting. And so I realize that I need to do some personal clearing work because my wanting is coming out of a very immature place. And sometimes I feel a wanting that I don't even understand. And then I have to check, is that wanting really coming out of my soul that's ahead of me in a sense, in, in my potential that is bigger than I imagine, or am I being hijacked? Am I being hijacked by a dream or an illusion or an energy that's wanting to, to divert me from my path with these grandiose ideas that I could be off doing this thing I don't even quite get? So the point is in everything your soul is wanting to unfold. So you have to step up here and want what you want. To want from a place of your soul. And let your questions come from that place. And so the distinction there is, the, is to begin to feel the wanting of your soul. Apart from the wanting of your sugar addiction or the wanting of your um, desire to get out of your bad relationship, that it's important to sense the wanting of your soul and to allow yourself to ask questions relative to that. But even if you can't feel that yet, the point is just to remember everything is your soul wanting to unfold in this life, everything going on, even, even the crappy job you hate and you're so sure you have to bail on, is still an opportunity for the unfolding of your soul if approached properly. Wouldn't that be a great journey question? You hate your job. It's a crappy job. You want out of it. You're sure that it's killing you. But Christina just said, everything is your soul wanting to unfold. So what if you journeyed and asked your helping spirits, how do I approach my job so that it is the most magnificent Unfolding of my soul possible? That's a good journey question. It might not lead you directly to an answer. You may have to journey about the answer that you get to understand what actions you need to take. That's a good journey question. All right, moving along. Um, the other mistake that I see people making in trying to craft questions is the way I would say it is they don't know where they are relative to the problem. And what I mean by that is we culturally are inclined to drive towards action immediately. We want to know what to do. And we often want to know what to do before we actually even understand what the problem really is or what the challenge really is, what is really going on. So consequently, Yes, even you people who journey and are actively involved in your spiritual life, you're often derailing the best efforts of your soul and spirit to keep you in track with the unfolding of your soul's purpose because we are enormously intolerant of the uncomfortable phases. We're sure that if we're uncomfortable, it is wrong. And this is tricky because in the beginning, meaning in that phase of our life when we wake up, when we first wake up, we almost always wake up because we are so profoundly uncomfortable with whatever the situation is that we can't stay asleep any longer. We cannot stay in the denial. We cannot stay in the safety of the cocoon of not seeing any longer. It is simply too painful. 
And so we wake up into this horrendous discomfort of our soul because of the collective choices we've made in our life. The problem with that, there's, there, well, there's no problem with that. But the problem with that <laughs> is that we, we go forward with this idea, if it's uncomfortable, it's wrong. And frankly, after the initial waking up, when the fact that it is uncomfortable is signifying there is a problem, something is wrong relative to your soul. That is true. After that point, though, after you wake up and have basically made a, cho- made a choice in spite of what you found to stay awake and to deal with what you now see as your reality. So you learn how to journey and now you're working with your helping spirits and they're telling you to do this and you try this and that and you do that. And all of a sudden, your life, which got comfortable based on the first choices you made, is now getting uncomfortable again. And we have enormous intolerance for discomfort. We're sure that it's wrong because of that initial waking up experience, and we bail. And I am here to tell you, if you are going to live the path of your soul's purpose, you will be uncomfortable, and it will be important discomfort. And it is necessary to see it through with as much grace and joy as possible. And so it's important then, back to my little journey point, is to understand where you are relative to your challenge. Because if you are sure, making the assumption that the discomfort you're experiencing is bad, it's a sign you're not doing the right thing and you need to get out of it, you're going to craft a question something like, how can I get out of this emotional discomfort? And your helping spirits will answer that question. They will not say, Mary, that's the wrong question. They will not say, Bob, not the right question. They will answer your question and you will get out of the discomfort and you will not ever recognize you just derailed the entire process you've been on to get yourself onto the track of your soul's purpose. And so before you asked how to get out of the discomfort, it would, it would be more helpful to ask, how does this discomfort serve the path of my soul's purpose? And if you get an answer from your helping spirits, well, by the way, it doesn't because you're just repeating the old pattern you just created, you had with your past spouse, then you can get out. Then the next question can be, well, how the hell do I get out of it? Or what do I need to learn so that I never do this again? How do I learn the thing I need to learn so I never do this again? That's fine. But you might find out that this discomfort is absolutely critical to staying on the path of your soul's purpose. And again, your helping spirits will answer the question you ask. So you need to be careful in your asking. They're not going to say, oh, by the way, don't ask that question. You'll derail yourself. So you need to check that out. And so that's what I mean by really understanding where you are relative to the problem at hand. Do you need to back up a little bit from what you think is going on and ask some bigger overarching questions to get clarity on the situation or to confirm the clarity you think you have on the situation? Before you take those answers and begin to craft from those answers questions that will move you towards a path of action. Assuming action is warranted, right? So sometimes I see the opposite 
which is people just keep driving for bigger and bigger visions, bigger and bigger, more and more beautiful pictures, more and more out there in the visionary aspect of the situation because they are avoiding the asking the questions that will bring them to the literal things they actually need to do. And so we can distort our sense of where we are relative to the problem at hand. And in doing that, ask a whole bunch of journey questions we will get an answer for that utterly um, moves us away from the path. And so it's good to check first if it's a big issue like your job your children, your intimate relationships, your relationship with your own soul. You know, if these are the big things in life, it's important to check your perspective, check your assumptions, ask journey questions first that get a sense of what's really going on here based on the deeper energies. And then how do I approach this or how do I work with this? How do I be in this in a way that is an expression of my soul's purpose or is an expression of my heart or my power or whatever it is that you're wanting your life to be in the moment, right? But it's really important to get an accurate sense of um, where you are. Are you ready for action or do you need to back way up because you are seeing something as a problem that isn't? That whole issue around perspective is very important in crafting questions. So the other thing about journeying that is incredibly important, incredibly important, is to remember that you are always getting the best answer that you can hear. Right? You aren't getting the truth. I mean, you are getting a version of the truth. You're getting the highest truth that you can hear. But no one, there is no human being who receives direct from spirit the ultimate truth. Everyone is filtering. It is the nature of being a human that we filter. And when we forget that as shamanic journeyers, we become dangerous to ourselves and if we're working with others, to others. Right? So it's really important uh, to understand there will always be a deeper answer, a more mature answer a better answer, an answer that is more true. There will always be that as long as we are alive. And it's important to remember that because it keeps us in um, a right relationship with our helping spirits, that one that is humble in the right way, humble in the understanding that I am an ever-evolving being. And... To arrive at a place where I'm getting an unadulterated truth will require that I am no longer incarnate. So as long as I'm incarnate, which is a very important thing for my soul's purpose, I need to remember I am not being handed the ultimate truth. And so I need to be careful with that as I'm asking my questions. So it's important to understand that how you frame your questions exposes you to spirit. So, so in other words, my question tells spirit directly the level of truth I'm ready to receive. So it shows spirit precisely where you are in your consciousness and your spiritual maturity. That's what the question is doing. It, I mean, there's, there's infinite answers to your question, and they're all true. The question is, which truth are you able to receive? 
And your helping spirits will give you that. And your question, how you craft your question, is communicating to spirit which question you're ready for. You get the highest answer you can understand. And you get it in the way you can understand most of the time. In theory, you get it in the way you can understand. So what I do if I don't understand an answer, it resonates with my truth cord. So I know it's a true answer, but I don't get it. So, and I know in the journey, I'm not getting it. Then I ask the helping spirits to please show me the same answer in a way I will definitely understand. So they show me the same answer in a different way. And I do understand it. And then I can go back in interpreting the first answer and recognize, oh, this really was a better version of the answer, but I just didn't get it. But that basically you need to know that they're always giving you the highest answer you can understand in a way you should be able to understand it. Now, for those of you that get secret languages in your journeys, I know a few of you and you've asked me about this one. We have to kind of talk about that offline. Maybe I'll figure out how to do a show about that. But it's, it's rare. Mostly, if we allow our intuition to interpret, interpret our journeys, we realize that we were given the highest answer we could handle in a way that we could understand. We just didn't quite get it in the moment. So your relationship with spirit is in an interpreted reality. No human being receives divine truth without some filter or lens that we see it through. So please always keep this in mind and just work with it. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just part of the package deal. So here are some helpful hints. Um, that I found in the attitude. We talked last week or the first part of the show about the attitude for journeying, having the right attitude. And these are some ideas that have helped me and others uh, to keep a right attitude. And the first is don't take your life personally. I know that that's also from the four agreements, but it's very important, especially in crafting questions and viewing the problem in the first place that creates the context in which you'll craft your question. Don't take your life personally. Use your discipline. And that is another thing. The problem in your journey may not be the crafting of your question. It may be that you're, you're slacking and getting lazy in your own journey discipline. So before you change your question, go back, do the journey again, and do all the steps that are necessary to make it truly a shamanic journey. And that often the discipline itself will clear up your answer. Now make certain that your question stays within the energy of the problem. In other words, if the energy around this problem is really big, then make sure your question starts big to make sure you're really understanding the scope of what you're into and then work your way down to action. If the problem is really little, like... You keep paying for a storage space that's filled with stuff that you know you've got to sort through, but it's been seven years and you haven't gone into any of the boxes. That is not a big problem. That is an easy problem. That is a problem you really don't actually need to journey about it. But if you must, ask a direct question, get a direct answer, take a direct action. Right? It's really not a big problem. So if you can only figure out, I talked about this last time, if you can only figure out how to frame the question as a yes or no question, then you've collapsed down 
too close to the issue and you need to back up a little bit, make less assumptions, get a sense of the bigger picture, and then you'll be able to craft a question that doesn't require spirit say yes or no to you in the answer. The other thing about crafting questions is people often approach this art as if they're going to figure out how to ask one question, one question in one long journey that's going to give me the whole picture from overview to action plan. And that's not how questions work. Strategy questions are completely different than belief system questions. And you need to have patience to craft nested questions. In other words, you get the big picture based on that answer, you craft your next question. Based on that answer, you craft your next question. These are all separate journeys and they all relate to each other, but you don't just try to do it all in one journey. It doesn't work well that way. And the other thing is many issues have two sides. So you may want to ask about both sides of the issue. Um, kind of like the A and B option one. All options offer a path of learning. The question is, what do you want to be learning? Okay. So there are many dynamics here that come into play when you're wanting to craft questions. Making sure that the size of the question fits the size of the issue. Um, if you can't see things, asking to just see the answer through your helping spirit's eyes. There, there are many, many helpful hints around crafting questions. The most important thing to remember is that your helping spirits are answering the question you're asking precisely. Don't get sloppy around that because they're not being sloppy around that. So in, in closing, what happens when you ask a great question, you get a great answer, but you don't know where to go from there. What that means is you've asked a great question. You've, gotten, you've, you've brought yourself to a level of deeper truth. And now there are aspects of you that are simply in the way of you being able to understand where to go from there. And so that is the place where our own journeying practice brings us back into community. And that is where one of the many ways that our personal shamanic practice teaches us that shamanism doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so where we go with that is we bring that journey, the answers we got, our understanding about it to peers, perhaps, who are able to journey for us, are able to, to think through their own creativity, what is the next question? And if that doesn't work, it's time to bring it to a shaman someone who is particularly skilled at this art. And that's the only choice that we really have. The beauty is you've dug out a deeper truth. The challenge is you don't know what to do with it. And that's a great challenge to have. So the important thing then is just simply to know that your helping spirits are here to help. They'll meet you wherever you are, and if you want more from that relationship, you will need to bring more. 
So thank you everyone for listening to the show here today. Next week, I will continue on the path of mastering the art of shamanic journeying and forge ahead into the realm of how do we interpret our symbolic language. Um, And so that's coming up next week. I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today for the earth below, the sky above, and the heart energy that unites us all. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week.